Uh, you have, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue in our series in the book of James. This is the third uh, message in the series of uh, uh, messages in this, in this book. So we're finishing up chapter 1 here this morning, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 27. So read along with me as I go ahead and read. This you know, chapter 1, verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Approve yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And may God add the blessing to the reading of his word. Amen? Many of us have heard uh, the saying, uh, talk is cheap. Uh, it's, people can talk a good, a good, a good talk, but it, unless it's backed up by words, it really doesn't mean anything, does it? You can hear a lot of rhetoric with politicians. You can hear a lot of talk with politicians, but often when people make boasts and people talk, it's not backed up by action and real action. Um, when I used to work um, in homeless shelter, one of the things was is that you need to walk to walk, and you need to talk to talk and walk to walk, meaning you're, you're doing what you say you're going to do and doing what you in, intend uh, according to what your words match up. And so this morning in the book of James, what we're going to be looking at is, is we're going to see uh, our need to be able to um, control our speech um, and, con and control our anger and control our attitudes. Um, and we need to as well um, address God's word and express it in deeds of mercy and holiness. So, James is going to be looking at our speech and, our, and then actions that will back up what we say. Amen? Amen. We're going to be looking at three specific points. Everyone must be, uh, uh, second point, effectual doer, and pure and undefiled religion. Uh, our first point, everyone must be, we're going to look at verses 19 and 20. So read along with me. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So we see three specific things here. Let me ask this question. How many of us 
ever get angry. Anger is, a, is, a, is an emotion that we all have. And it's, anger is okay. There's nothing wrong with anger. But it goes on here. It says, but everyone must be quick to hear. What often leads us to anger? Is maybe hearing something wrong? Maybe not hearing what another person is saying? Or not taking the time to care enough to hear what the other person is saying? He says, everyone must be quick to hear. So that's the first point. So in order to control our anger and deal with our anger in the right way, what does he call us to do? He calls us to be quick to do what? To hear. So often, and I'm guilty of this as well, is that I have when I'm in communication with someone, and I have, and I and and I'm talking with someone. I want, and, I, and I'm thinking I have in my mind what I want to say, but I'm not really listening to what the other person is saying because I have in my mind what I want to say rather than taking time to listen and hear what the other person is saying. Does that make sense? And so often we are guilty of that because we have something preconceived in our mind that we want to say and we're thinking on what we want to say. We want to get our point, our opinion, our idea, our whatever it is in our hearts, we want to make sure that we they are going to hear that. So your our minds are preoccupied with what we want to say rather than listening to or hearing in the communication what the other person is saying. And so I'm getting better at this myself, but I'm learning that it's important and it's and it's courteous to do what? Is to listen to what the other person has to say. Correct? Because if you listen without focusing on what you're going to say, then you're able to hear and understand what they're saying. Um, second point is, so you're listening, so you're quick to do what? You're quick to hear. So you're, you're quick to hear. In other words, you don't you're not quick to jump to conclusions because you already have something else in your mind. But you're quick to hear. In other words, you're willing to listen to what someone else is saying. That's one way to, first of all, to deal, to diffuse our anger. is to be first, quick to hear. Secondly, it means to be slow to speak. In other words, let your speech be slow. In other words, if you've got something on your mind, you're all automatically, and you have an opinion, you have an idea, you have a thought, you just want to blurt it out without even hearing what the person's saying. So first of all, we need to be quick to listen, but also we need to be what slow to speak. Not to just right away state our opinion without first hearing what someone else has to say. Because if you hear what someone else has to say, then it might you might get a better understanding of what's really going on rather than um, with that, rather than hearing out what the other person is saying. So um, it's being quick to hear, slow to speak. In other words, slow to blurt out, slow to speak what is on your mind. And I'm going to, I have a right to speak what I want to speak. Um, by golly, I'm going to say it. But sometimes we need to be able to, yes, we have a right to be able to say what we need to say, but at the same time, 
we need to be able to hear what the other person is saying first and hold our tongue until we've heard everything what someone else said so that we can have a better idea. That's a good way to be able to diffuse our anger. And, be, and, then, and then secondly, and slow to what? And slow to anger. Because if we listen and we're, and we're slow of speech, then what's going to happen? It's going to give us time to do what? For our anger to diffuse. For our anger to subside. For our anger to be able to, uh, to, be able to be calmed down enough to be able to hear and understand what's going on. And that's so important, folks. Because sometimes our anger sometimes is so misguided because of things maybe we misunderstood of what someone else was saying or someone else was doing and not really listening and speaking first and then we end up getting in a fight. We end up getting in a situation where rather than just communicating in a calm and peaceful manner uh, what's going on, we tend to not, um, we tend to do it in anger. And that's so important, folks, in our relationships. Uh, it's so important in the way we communicate with people. Um, not that you can't have anger. Anger is a good thing because it's a God-given emotion, but it needs to be channeled in the right way. It needs to be channeled in the right way. It needs to be channeled um, in a way that is um, civil. I mean, civil means in a calm way, and it's addressed in a way that um, can, um, can, in a healthy way, so people can understand and know that there's something wrong with this situation. I'll give you an example. Jesus was in the, the temple. And Jesus got angry, didn't he? If you look at the temple where he was turning over the table, didn't he get angry? Well, that's, he's being, he was being wrong. He was being sinful. No, he wasn't. Because the reality was is that it's okay to be angry, but you be angry at what? Um, in your sin, be angry and sin not. That's a scripture verse. In your anger, be angry and sin not. You can be angry. Jesus was angry because they were treating God's house in an unholy way. They were treating God's house and they were treating God's people um, in a harsh way. And so he was upset about that. And he told them the way they were treating God's the way they were treating God's house and treating God's people was wrong, and he was angry about that. It wasn't because of his personal rights were violated. He was angry because of what they were doing to God and what they were doing to others. And I think that that's really important, and we need to make that distinction. Our anger needs to be able to be, um, if it's something that's upsetting God, or something that's upsetting um, about others, or if it's bothering us, but being able to express it in a way that other people understand and know, you know, I'm, I'm upset about this, but you do it in a way that so it's not um, demeaning. And if, it's, if they're really just blatantly just making a, um, a mockery of God like the Pharisees were and the religious leaders were, then you need to speak in God's truth and in control that, like Jesus was. For example, it's like if we see some, if somebody is just really mocking God or saying really bad things about God, then we need to speak up, you know, and say, you know, I'm angry about that. Right? You need to be, and, and, and you need to be able to speak the truth and be able to do it in a way you can be angry about that, but you need to be able to speak the truth. So, and, and if someone's hurting ourselves or our family, and it's okay to be upset about that, it's okay to address that. 
and you can be angry and, and address those situations in a way that is civil, but at the same time you're expressing your anger and you're expressing how you feel, but in a, in a way that is, is, is going to um, uh, speak for others and protect others as well. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's go on here. Um, it says here in verse, in, in, verse, um, in verse 20, it says, For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. For our anger, our anger that comes from our own feelings, where it's, it, it's about us, does not achieve what God's righteousness is. In other words, it doesn't achieve what God would want for us in our lives. When we do it out of uh, uncontrolled anger, I, would, I should say, that uncontrolled anger, that doesn't achieve what God wants. It doesn't achieve what God's trying to do in our lives, does it? It doesn't, it doesn't fulfill His purpose in us. For the anger of man, in other words, man, our own anger based on, on our, our, our own personal hurts and feelings, does not achieve what God wants to do in us and in our world. Does that make sense as well? Okay, let's go on here. It says here um, in verses 21 through 25, an effectual doer. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, and humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So we see here about controlling our anger. But we see also it's, it's about actions. We talked about um, our words. Actions must back up our words. We need to, if we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. We need to do what we say we're going to do, and we need to follow through on that. And that's important, being people of our word. But being, doing, uh, you can talk a great speech, you can talk a great thing, but if you don't do it, it really doesn't mean anything. It's all just a, it's all just a lot of fluff. It's all just a lot of uh, blown up nothing. And that's exactly what it is. If it's not backed up by words. And so this is really important that we need to make sure, as God's people, that, if, uh, that we're doing what we say we're going to do as far as God is concerned, and that we're going to follow through on our word, and we're going to do what God wants us to do. Let's hear, putting all filthiness aside, in other words, um, and all that remains of wickedness. In other words, sometimes the way we treat other people and the way we face other people, and when we're, we were talking about anger before, comes from a, a bad attitude towards them, doesn't it? We have a bad attitude towards them, and we have maybe a bad, uh, a bad feeling or a bad taste in our mouth. And so therefore, what he's saying here is that putting aside all filthiness, in other words, those attitudes that we have towards others, the, uh, uh, and the wickedness, and those wicked, those wicked, evil, filthy desires that we have towards other people, those wrong attitudes, those wrong feelings inside of anger towards other people that are misguided and misbased. Um, um, and we need to put those aside. In other words, if you feel that, if you, if you know you have those attitudes, you know you have those feelings inside of you towards someone else or towards another individual, you need to put those aside according to the scripture here. And it says, do what? In humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. 
So your attitude, what you're doing is, you're exchanging your attitude about things, your opinion about things, and you're receiving what? God's word instead. Which God's word, our attitude won't do, our attitudes won't save us at all. But it's God's word, as we receive God's word, that will save us. So what does the word say? It says, for faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? By the word of God. So our faith comes by hearing God's word and receiving that. And that's so important. If we have these bad attitudes in us, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have these bad desires inside of us. We all have these wicked desires. We all have these desires that are not right. Um, these attitudes that are not right. And, and, and we need to be able to, by God's grace, be able to put those aside and be able to say, okay, I don't want those, but I want to hear what you're saying about this, God. I want to hear what you have to do about this. And that's so important because we receive, when we're willing to receive his word, then that's when we're really willing to change. And so when we're not willing to receive his word, and we're willing to hold on to those attitudes, we're willing to hold on to that filthiness and that and all and all that um, and then all the wickedness that's inside of us, and we're holding on to that, we're not letting it go, then we're not going to change. But if we're willing to receive, we're willing to let that go and receive God's word, that's when real change happens in our lives. Yeah, it may hurt. Yeah, we may not agree with it, but we need to ask God to help us to agree with his word. What is, what's the biggest, what was the biggest problem for people? Um, what is the biggest problem for people in human nature? Is to say, what, what's the first thing, one of the first things that kids learn how to say? No. Okay. That's like, what, it's an easy word, two letters, and L. But where does that come from? It comes from a heart that is a simple heart. And we all, you know, we'll say how can it be sinful? Well, we have a sinful nature. But in that no is a certain rebellion in our heart saying, no, I don't want to receive from you what you're saying. I don't want to hear what you're saying. I want what I want. And I want my answers and I want what I'm going to do, what I want to do, whatever that is, regardless. And I think that what, what God is saying here, what James is saying here is, is that as we put away those things in our hearts, we need to say, okay, God, I don't necessarily maybe want to do it, but can you help me put these things away? And I want to receive from you your word, the word that it gives life, the word that gives hope, the word that is the living body of Jesus Christ. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That's John chapter 1. Who is the word? Jesus. And so when we receive his word, we receive him and what he says and what he is doing. And so the reality is, is that there's a willingness to put that stuff away and there's a willingness to receive. And say, okay, God, I, I receive it from you. I receive your word. Even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, even though it's something that I don't necessarily um, agree with God, I ask that you would help me to agree with it. Because that's the beginning of change in our lives. That's the beginning of what we have to say. When we put away our own desires, when we put away our own wickedness, when we put away our own things that are in our heart that are wicked, that we know are wicked. Because we're wicked creatures. Um, but God came to save us and wash us and renew us and sanctify us and make us new. But we become new as we receive His Word and, with, and He's able to do what with His Word? And that 
in this verse here, which is able to save your souls. In other words, which is able to save you and sanctify you and make you new, isn't it? So His Word is able to save us. And because God's Word is so much wiser, God's Word is so much greater than our opinions. God's Word is so much greater than our attitudes. God's Word is so much greater than anything that we have to say and anything in all the wisdom in all the world that is out there. God's Word sur surpasses that um, inf infinitely because it's the wisdom of God. And as we receive it, we become more like Him. And as we receive it, then we begin. That's the first step in acting. That's the first step in um, doing and being the people that He wants us to be. Um, it says in verse 22, so if we receive the Word of God, it says, but prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So you can receive the Word of God, you can hear the Word of God, but you need to do the Word of God. So, um, I, I go back to the times when I was working in the homeless shelters and the missions, and, um, and I used to preach, um, they used to have a nightly gospel service, which was a, basically it was a service where we would sing some hymns, and then we would give a message about salvation. And we would, uh, so we would offer some of the individuals that, that were there the opportunity to be able to hear the gospel, an opportunity to be able to hear the word of God, and to receive it, and to uh, be able to uh, act on it and become saved. Um, many, uh, many did, and I had a wonderful opportunity to do that. Many heard the word of God, many received the word of God, but some didn't, when they received it, they didn't act on it. So, it's real, and, and their lives are never really changed. They could, yeah, they say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm saved, and, but yet the reality was that their lives were never really changed ultimately in the long term for some of them. They could talk to talk, but they never actually lived out the Word of God in their lives. And that their, their words, their actions in their lives never matched up with the words that they said as Christians and as believers. And so, it's important for us is that when we receive the Word of God, we say that we're believers and we're hearing the Word of God, receiving what God is say, saying, that we're doing that which God tells us to do. And we're hearing, uh, and we're acting upon that. We're, we're being doers of His Word. We're, sh we're showing ourselves to be Christians because Christians um, will, um, how will people know that we are Christians? It says in, in John chapter, I think, 13, and will know you are my disciples by what? By the love that you have for one another. Love is what? And an action, isn't it? It's a verb. And so it's something that we do. So it's, it's um, acting upon God's word. That's just an example of hearing God's word and saying God says we need to love one another. So if we're loving one another, right, then... Uh, that's an action, and people will see that, and they'll know that we're what? We're disciples. We're God's people. But if we're not, if there's no change in our lives, if there's no, if we're, if we're doing things that are contrary to God's word, even though we say we're Christian, and we're not making any effort to change, then, then it's, it doesn't show or prove to people that we are who we say we are. We're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or any, uh, verse uh, 23. Um, 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he, he is like a man who looks at a natural face in a mirror. So we look at ourselves in the mirror. And you see yourself. And then in verse 24, For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Now what person forgets that? You look at yourself, you get ready in the morning, you get, your, you get ready, you brush your teeth, you groom your hair, uh, you look in the mirror in the, in the bathroom or in your bedroom, wherever it is, you're getting ready, and so you look at yourself and you see who you are, you see what you look like, and you go away. What person goes away and forgets what it looks like? What person does that? I don't know too many people do. You immediately forget what you look like. So, the illustration here is, is that a person who looks at his face, so the person who hears the word of God, but yet he hears it and then he walks away, but then he forgets who he was as a person. He forgets and says, oh, I don't know. Um, Oh, that was a nice message, and then he forgets and doesn't do anything. Because you don't, there's no application to what you hear, there's no application to what you're receiving, and you forget it, it's just like you're forgetting who you were as a person. Um, so you're, just like you walk away in the mirror, and you look at yourself, and then you walk away and forget, and you don't remember what you look like. Same thing is with the Word of God. If you hear the Word of God and you receive it, and yet you don't act upon it, so it's like it's, you completely forgot all about it. It's like you never received it in the first place. It's like you never looked into the Word of God. It's like you never received the Word of God and you forget about it. So the reality is, is that if you don't act on it, it's like, well, I, I don't, I don't, this really doesn't mean too much to me, so I forget about it. If something doesn't mean too much to you, sometimes you forget something. You forget about it. And so the reality is, is that um, with God's word, we need to be able to receive it and act upon it. When you act on it, what happens? Is that you, it, it becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of who you are as a person. It becomes a part of your life, and so you don't forget. And so there's a change of character. There's a change in you as a person. And that's what's so important, is that when we act on things, it becomes a part of who we are. But the one who looks intently in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So looking at the perfect law, what is the perfect law? The law is God's word. And James is combining the Old Testament with the New Testament here. Where was the law originally given? It was given through Moses, what? Through the Ten Commandments into the, and, and, and the book, uh, and the Pentateuch. Uh, the first five, in, in, in the first five books of the Bible, the law was given there. And so, when they hear that, they look at the perfect law. The perfect law is what? Is found in Christ, isn't it? So, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And Christ, um, the law of liberty. What does that mean, that the law of liberty? The law means that if you're hearing what God is saying, you're receiving His word, and you're doing what He has said you're doing to do, He's got, that means that he's given you freedom to live righteously. He's given you freedom to... Laws are based to do what? To keep people um, safe. To keep people in, in a place where they can, um, where there's order and there's um, protection and where there's safety and where there's, um, they're there to benefit, supposedly benefit the people. As, 
God's law is there to benefit his people. And so the perfect law of Jesus is there to benefit us so that we can, we're free to do what? We're free to live the way God called us to live. We're not under bondage. The bondage of sin, isn't it? The sin is a bondage. It's a, it's a cruel taskmaster. But when we're, we're living in righteousness and we're doing the word of God, we're free to live in the law of liberty. In other words, we're free under God's boundaries, uh, of living under God's word and doing what God calls us to do. We're free to live in liberty and free to live the way God calls us to live. So we're actually free. We're free from the bondage of sin and we're free to live the way God called us to live. To live. So we're actually when we're obeying God's word and we're doing God's word, it, there's a freedom there, folks. There's a freedom there to live the way God intended us to live. There's a freedom there to live the way he would want us to live. When we're obedient and we follow through on what his word is saying. Um, the man will, and then what, what happens? He, it says, and he abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, in other words, not forgetting what he heard, but being an effectual doer. In other words, how, what you do is, is that you follow through on God's word, you do what he says you're going to do, what he wants you to do, and then what's going to happen? This man will be blessed in what he does. The man is going, the person who hears God's word and receives it and does it, he becomes an effectual person. In other words, he becomes effectual in what he does. And what he does, there's an effect for it. There's an effect, a positive effect that happens when we do God's work. We come, it, and the things that we do and the things that we accomplish, they have effect, isn't it? How, how many of us want to have effect in this world? I know I do. I want, I want us to have an effect. So when we're listening to the Word of God, we're doing God's work, and what He shows us to do, we're having a positive effect in this world and the way things happen and the way things do. But also, not only that, is that not only will we, will, will we have effect in this world, but also we will be blessed by God. I want to be blessed by God. I want to be blessed by God. I know we all want to be blessed by God. And so, when, we, when, we're truly, when someone is truly blessed by God, they receive all the favor, all the, the honor that God would want to bestow on His people and His children because they're listening. Like when your children are listening, when we have children and they're listening and they're being obedient and they're re receiving what we're saying, is that when you're doing that, we want to bless them, don't we? We want to, we do it for their welfare and for their, for their, for their safety and for their betterment. But when they're obedient and they're doing what they're supposed to do, we want to bless them. We want to uh, help them, you know, and we want to just shower them of blessings that we have, don't we? And so I think it's important that to understand that same principle is that when we're obedient to God and our Father and we're listening to His Word and receiving it, He, not only do we come, we have effect in this world, but also we're going to receive His blessing. In other words, the blessing that He bestows. What does it say that we're going to find out here? Is that every good one and perfect gift comes down from our Father in the heavenly light with whom there's no changing or shifting of shadow. That's in the same chapter. So God wants to give us good gifts. He wants to bless us with wonderful gifts. He wants to shower us with His blessings. But part of that comes as we're listening, but not only listening, but doing. And doing what He tells us to do, what He shows us to do. He says, well, I don't know. Well, a couple things. I wanted to say, well, I don't know what to do. Number one is, is 
And get into his word. Read his word. Listen to his word. Meditate on his word. Spend time in his word. Ask God for understanding. Say, God, I don't understand. Well, you ask him to help you uh, to understand, and he will. God, if we ask God, he will listen. And this is according to his word. He'll give us the understanding that we need. But also, number two is that not only do we do we hear and we read God's word, but we can hear God's word from him. When God speaks to us in our hearts um, through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will speak to us in that still small voice and enter into our souls and we can receive from him what he is saying. We can receive from him what he is here, what he is communicating to us in that still small voice. I know all of us have. I've heard God's voice. We've heard God's heart. We've heard what he's saying. We know, we, we know that voice. We know that voice that he's saying. We know what he's communicating. And we know that we hear that. But what happens is, is so often is, is that and we know that we need to act on that. Because the more we hear God's word, and the more we act on it, the clearer that voice comes. But the more we, when God speaks and we don't hear what he's saying, I mean, if we hear what he's saying, but then we don't act on it, that word becomes dull. So you see the opposite? You see the effect that it has? You listen, and you obey, and you hear God's word, and you understand God's word, you, his, his voice becomes clearer, and therefore you become more like him. But if you don't, if you hear his word and you don't act on it, that word becomes duller and duller and duller and duller until you're not able to hear God's word because what? Because you haven't listened to what he was saying. So your heart becomes harder and his voice becomes duller. And that's a dangerous place to be in, folks. So we need to be able to soften our hearts and be able to hear what he says so that we can be those effectual doers that are blessed by him. Let's think now in verses 26 and 27 uh, as, we, as we go here it says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless. The book of James talked a lot about the tongue. We talked about that in the beginning. It talked about that someone needs to be quick to hear, slow to speak. A lot of, a lot of us, sometimes I, and I get it too, we get the foot-mouth disease. I'm not sure if you know, understand what that is. Foot-mouth disease means that you say something that you wish you didn't say because you said it hastily. And you end up putting your, sticking your foot in your mouth because you spoke too quickly. A lot of us have done that. I've done that myself. And we come to that place where um, if we think that we're Christians and we're religious, we're, we're God-fearing people. I heard that phrase before. I'm a God-fearing person. I'm a God-fearing man of God. Okay? Again, it's a talk that talk, isn't it? I'm a God-fearing Christian. God-fearing means I, I reverence God. I'm respectful of God. I'm holy to God. Yeah, and it's good. And it's, it's good to be able to say that. But at the same time, if you think you're religious, yet you don't, you're not able to control your tongue. Whereas, you know, you could be shouting, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, brother, amen. 
in the church. And you, you go out and, you, and your mouth is worse than a sailor or a truck driver. Or you could go out and you could be praising the Lord in church and then you could go out and talk to somebody and gossiping about somebody and putting somebody down and hurting somebody. You know, the scripture says God hates gossip. Because gossip does what? It doesn't do anything to build up. It does what? Tears down, doesn't it? It's nice and juicy and it feels good. But in reality, it hurts. God hates it. It hurts God. And it hurts other people. So learning to control what? Yes. I wish I could show you my mouth, but we understand the circumstances that we're in. But the reality is, is that his tongue, and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart, and his religion is worthless. So if you can't control your own tongue, you're deceiving yourself. You think I'm a strong Christian, I'm a holy Christian, I'm a righteous man of God, and you can't control your tongue, you're deceiving yourself. You know, you're not what you think you are. If you can't control this behind what I'm at, behind this mask. It doesn't mean a thing. That whole thing with the anger thing as well, but back then, you're your own controlled anger, you can't control your tongue. I'm getting better at this. I struggle with that myself. But the reality is I'm working on it. And I think and the reality is what God is saying here is that we need to be able to work on those things which we know are not right. And in this specific case, we need to work on our tongue and our attitude behind our tongue. And we need to be able to speak that which is right to show and prove that the religion that we the religion that we have in our lives is real. The religion that we have in our lives is true. That we are, if we're holy people of God, then we're living as holy people of God. And we're doing that in our speech. And we're doing that in our attitude and what we're saying. And how we're saying it. And, um, and it goes on here. So if you say that you're a religious person, you're going to control your, you're going to control your mouth, right? what you said. But also, it goes back to what being not only hearers of the word of God, but doers. So, uh, God has two things here. It says, pure and undefiled religion in God's sight. This is what God calls real religion. This is what is real religion. It says, I got religion. Well, this is what real religion is in God's sight. Is and the sight of our Godfathers is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Back in that time, there was a lot of there was a lot of folks who were orphans. There were a lot of orphans back then, a lot of widows back then. And so, um, and that was a big, really big problem. But if you look at Scripture. It says in God's word, it says, God's a father to the fatherless, and what? And a husband to what? To the widows, isn't he? He is. And so, but what that means is, is that it's being able to show mercy to people. To show mercy to those, maybe there's no, there's no widows or orphans in your life. 
but there, maybe there's somebody in need that is. Maybe there's showing somebody that needs to be shown kindness, needs to be shown mercy, needs to be shown uh, a little grace, rather than seeing our anger, showing a little grace of God uh, towards them. Showing a little grace towards those people. Whoever it is. And I think the idea here is, is that real religion will show, show it in acts of what? Kindness. Living God's word in acts of kindness and in love and mercy and grace towards people. Whoever it may be. Maybe a widow, maybe an orphan. Maybe um, a homeless person. Maybe somebody who's hungry. Maybe somebody who is financially in need right now. Or suffering or sick or ill. God's word is active. God's word is active, folks. And it should be active in our lives. And it's going to show it in acts of mercy and kindness towards others. Acts of love towards other people. Because that's what people are going to see. I, I love history. And when I was in seminary, one of the things that I learned about church history is, is that um, Josephus uh, was a, uh, a Jewish historian. wasn't a Christian, but he was a Jewish historian that lived during uh, the time after uh, Jesus. And he wrote about Jesus, and he wrote about uh, things in history at that time. But one of the things that I heard, um, and, and I'm not sure if he said it or another historian said it, but they noticed that in the Roman Empire, um, there's a lot of poverty back then, because there's a lot of widows, a lot of orphans, um, and a lot of people that are having struggling at that time. And it was noted by one of the, it was quoted by one of the Roman leaders or one, some, someone in the Roman authority that says they take care not only of their own people, but they take care of our people as well. In other words, they were ministering to the needs of the, the people, the Romans, who were in need. Not only were they taking care of their own needs, but they were also taking care of the needs of the, the Roman people, the people that were oppressing them, the people that were crucifying them, the people that were killing them, the people that were persecuting them. They were taking care of their needs. That was action. That was their word living out in their lives. And so that was a testament to those Roman people that, hey, these are Christians, these people are Christians, and they're taking care of our people. So what do you think, how, what kind of testimony did you think did that have with the Roman people, to the Roman government, to the Roman, the Roman citizens at that time? That these Christians, even though we're persecuting, even though we're killing them, even though we're, we're um, hanging them out to dry, they're still taking care of our people. They're still ministering to our people. That, can you imagine what that would happen? Can you imagine with us? If you imagine if we started helping people, especially a person maybe we don't get along with, maybe we don't like so much, um, and we um, started doing acts of kindness for them. How would you think that that would feel towards that person? Showing a little grace and showing a little mercy towards those people. How about that? 
And then secondly, not only showing acts of grace and kindness toward people, but also um, uh, keep oneself unstained by the world, living righteously, in other words, living a holy life, doing that which is right in the eyes of God, living a holy life, have pure intent in your attitude, pure intent in your, in your actions, uh, doing those things which you know are right in the eyes of God, living righteously, living the way God would have us to live, doing the right thing. I hear that saying a lot. Doing the right thing. And so living righteously means that you're doing the right thing in the eyes of God. So we see two things here. Pure religion is um, visiting widows and orphans in their distress. In other words, helping those out in need and showing mercy and kindness. And secondly, living righteously. Living the way God would have us to live according to His word and doing it. So folks, I just want to just encourage us that um, James is a little bit like the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of, of, of uh, sayings about how to live life. James is the same one. And, and we would do well to listen to what James has to say. And I would just encourage you, if you have time this week, read the book of James for yourself before, before I preach on it. It's not a long book. It's only five chapters. But read it so that you can be prepared to hear what God's saying next week. But to understand the reality of what God is saying. And folks, let's just be doers of the word. Be able to control our anger, control our speech. And do those things which show that we're truly believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take some time. I'm going to pray. And I want to um, pray for those maybe who don't know the Lord. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. Um, and pray for those uh, pray for those of us who do that we can live the way God will call us to live. So let's go ahead and pray. And pray along with me if you don't know. And pray the simple prayer and receive the Lord in your hearts if you don't know nothing. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've hurt you, oh God, I've hurt others. And God, I ask that you would just forgive me, that you would just show me mercy and that you would just be kind to me and show me uh, your hand in my life, oh God. Please, please, please forgive me. I receive you into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. Be my God, be my Lord. Guide me and lead me all my days, oh God, we pray. Thank you, Father. I receive you into my heart. In Jesus' name. And Father, I, um, for those of us who do know him, Father, we please forgive me. Please show me mercy. God, please forgive us, oh God. Show us mercy, oh God, we pray. God, we haven't lived the way you would have us to live. Father, we haven't done those things which you have said we should do, oh God. We said hurtful things and had bad attitudes, oh God. Father, we haven't lived out your word. We haven't been kind to people. And uh, Father, we haven't lived righteously, O oh God. Please forgive us. Please show us mercy, O oh God. Help us by your grace to be the people you want us to be. Father, so others can see you and us, O oh God, this day. Help us, God. We need you desperately. We need you desperately. We need you desperately. Thank you, Father, for hearing us and changing us and making us into your people. Father, I pray that your peace now would 
be upon your people, your joy, um, uh, your very grace would be in their lives, O oh God, we pray. And we thank you, Father, and we love you. We worship you. Um, and we give you the glory and we give you the honor. Um, and as we pray, close out the Lord's Prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, both now and forever. Amen.